0: Hola, and bienvenidos. A warm welcome to the Wedding Spain podcast. Yes, we're back again after, well, a little bit of a delay, a little bit of a... Hiatus. Um, uh, Big apologies for that. I've been away in the UK. I've been super busy with work. And, uh, well, as many of you listeners know, this is a passion project of mine that I do in my free time. So, uh, until such a time comes that I can afford to scale down my full time job and dedicate more time to the podcast, uh, Patreon uh, hint, hint, (laughs) I'm afraid, yes, I've been absolutely flat out lately. So, hence the delay in bringing you the latest episode we're back into the routine now I, from now on there will be a regular weekly episode i've got tons of episode ideas lined up i've got guests lined up for future episodes as well so don't worry if you were wondering what had happened if i disappeared or i'd stopped podcasting no i'm still here and uh, normal service has been resumed. If you're new to this podcast, a warm welcome. Uh, Just to say that this is episode number 51. I don't normally kind of number the episodes as such, really. If this is the first episode you're listening to, do check back uh, all of the other, the back catalogue of uh, other episodes. And uh, well, what is it all about, if you're not sure? Fairly obvious. When in Spain, Pretty much does exactly what it says on the tin. It's a weekly podcast where I try and bring you a little slice of Spain right into your ears. I'm going to look at my observations on life in Spain, culture. If you look back to the previous episodes, we've got a real mixed bag of different things about Spanish uh, life and culture and living and working and indeed travelling in Spain. Spain. So what have I got coming up for you guys in this episode? Well, I'm going to try, attempt to answer or at least tackle the age-old question of Madrid versus Barcelona, which is better? And no, I'm not talking about football, although I do have a Spanish football episode in the planning stages, so keep your ears peeled for that. Um, But no, we're going to be comparing the cities of Madrid and Barcelona. I'm going to be looking at the differences between them. We're going to be looking at food, the... uh atmosphere of the cities, the geography, what the cities are like to live in. If you're thinking about coming to live and work in Spain and you're kind of uh, torn between Barcelona and Madrid, hopefully this episode will help you make up your mind. It's a very difficult thing to sort of say, yes, one is better than the other. It really does depend on what you're looking for. Now, to help me answer this question, I was lucky enough to interview Daniel Welsh. Daniel Welsh is a podcaster, writer and blogger and a former English teacher. But why Daniel? Well, Daniel has the good fortune to live really in both cities simultaneously. So Daniel spent uh, 14 years living in Madrid until his girlfriend landed a job in Barcelona. So he re- relocated with her to Barcelona not that long ago. But he kept on his apartment in Madrid, and now he divides his time between the two cities. And he recently, in fact, had an article published on Lonely Planet... uh, about this exact topic, uh, comparing Madrid with Barcelona. So coming up, an interview with Daniel Welsh. And uh, many listeners may be familiar with uh, Daniel and his, uh, his fantastically humorous and interesting blog called the Chorizo Chronicles. And that was indeed how I found out about Daniel so that 's uh, that's coming up, but before that, I just wanted to make a quick couple of announcements before we get into the interview um, i 'd just like to give a shout out to Chris Ariano and her partner uh, Anne Marie, who were over in Madrid a couple of weeks ago and I had the pleasure of meeting up with them and showing them around some of the some of my favorite places in the Spanish capital. We had a lovely time, so Chris, I really appreciated you getting in touch, and it was great to spend some time with you. And, And uh, I really hope you had uh, a safe trip back to the United States. Another shout out I wanted to uh, give was also to Chris Lynch. Uh, Chris, you were also in Madrid uh, recently. And unfortunately, we didn't coincide. The weekend that you were here was the weekend that I was leaving for the UK. So that was a shame. I was looking forward to meeting you. And uh, hopefully next time you're in Madrid, Chris, um, it will be great to meet up. One more thing. If you're a long-term listener to this podcast, you enjoy the content that I create. Uh, And if you haven't done so already, please, please consider becoming a When in Spain patron. For other listeners who are new to the podcast and are not sure what a When in Spain patron is, uh, When in Spain patron is somebody who supports me and the work that I do in the podcast by signing up to Patreon, which is a very well-known crowdfunding website. And via Patreon, you can make small regular pledges to help cover the costs of my time and uh, the costs of putting the show together and getting it syndicated and out to all the places where you can download it. Uh, 41 patrons at the moment, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. I'm hoping to try and hit 50 patrons, uh, well, hopefully before Christmas. And uh, well, yeah, you can pledge anything from as little as one or two dollars on a sliding scale. And so if you do think this podcast is worth it, if you'd like to really be a part of helping to secure the long-term future of this podcast and also allow me to dedicate more time to the podcast then please please consider becoming a patron just a tiny donation each month it all adds up it really does make a big difference and uh, to do that you just need to head over to patreon.com forward slash when in Spain. And just one more thing, um, wherever you listen to this podcast, please remember to hit the subscribe button. And now you might think, well, you know, what difference does it make if I hit the subscribe button or not? I can still listen to the episode. Well, that's true. But hitting the subscribe button, particularly on uh, Apple or iTunes, really helps push the When in Spain podcast up the podcast charts and uh, therefore gives it a lot more visibility And helps other Spain fans discover the podcast. Okay, enough promotion. Let's get into the interview with Daniel Welsh. I met up with him in La Latina, not far from where I live, trying to tackle this question of Madrid and Barcelona. So, without further ado, here's me talking to Daniel Welsh. Daniel, thanks for joining the Wedding Spain Podcast. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you for
1: having me, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here in Madrid in beautiful La Latina neighborhood.
0: Yep, here we are in the uh, right in the center of La Latina, Plaza de Cascorro, the classic, right where they set up the Rastro, rastro Market on a Sunday, but a little bit quieter today. Daniel, just to kick off, you're a, you're a writer, a blogger, a YouTuber. And uh, an English teacher, but I I discovered you through your, uh, well, I think it's pretty well known here in Spain, particularly amongst the kind of English speaking community, the Chorizo Chronicles blog that you uh, started, uh, you said about 10 years ago. About 10 years ago, yeah, but
1: I started taking it seriously two or three years ago as a serious writing project. I've got articles on there. You can go to expatmadrid.com and I've got articles on there about. Any number of things, you know, dating Spanish or Spanish dating British or, you know, I've got a good one about obscene Spanish expressions, you know, food, events going on. Here in Madrid, everywhere I go,
0: people know me because of the blog. In Barcelona, not so much. Just to say, listeners, uh, it's a very entertaining and uh, humorous read about uh, well, life here is a as a non-Spaniard in Spain, I guess. <laughs> Getting on to what I wanted to talk about, Daniel, is uh, you've, you have the amazing privilege of basically living in Madrid and Barcelona, kind of simultaneously. Give us a bit of background. First of all, how did you first wind up here in Spain? And then how did you end up, after spending several years in Madrid, kind of semi-relocating to Barcelona and now dividing your time between the two places?
1: Well, I moved to Madrid... In 2004, I was 21 years old, almost 22. Um, It was basically because I always wanted to get out of Arizona. I'm from Arizona in the U.S., and it was not working out for me in any way. Um, I broke up with my girlfriend over there. I knew another girl out here who seemed like there might be um, possibilities. So, you know, with my typical young person logic, I thought, hey, let's move halfway across the world for some girl who I barely know. (laughs) And that could have gone really badly, but in fact, it went very well. I started teaching. um, I spent about 10 years teaching English. I started blogging about English and also about Spain. And eventually I was able to start making my, my full living from writing and from from, you know, selling books, selling online courses and, you know, doing travel writing I've contributed to Lonely Planet and to Esquire and to things like that and yeah, so now that I just work with my laptop, I can be wherever and when my girlfriend got a job up in Barcelona this is um, several girlfriends after the first girlfriend (laughs) I was
0: going to ask you that, is this the original girl that you actually came to Spain
1: for? (laughs) No, everybody asks me that and everybody hopes that it's going to be the original girl And that, you know, it was just the one love story that lasted forever. But no, it's um, several girlfriends (laughs) later. Uh, My current girlfriend, uh, who I refer to as Morena on the blog, for reasons which you can imagine. Um, Yeah, she got a job up in Barcelona, and we didn't know if it was going to be a long-term thing or not. So I just kept the apartment here in Madrid, and now we are back and forth. And I come back to Madrid about once a month. I'm up in Barcelona about three weeks a month and down here for
0: one week a month. And, you know, I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy having both things in my life. The best of both worlds. Because it, it is the kind of burning question that a lot of people ask, particularly those who are planning on maybe coming to, to live and work in Spain. Which city is the best, you know, Barcelona or Madrid? And uh, there are really sort of two camps of people, aren't there? I mean, I've heard um, I've heard it described like this. It may have been on your blog, in fact, but I always remember it. Uh, Madrid was described as kind of the homely, cutesy girl next door, and Barcelona was described as the stuck-up catwalk model. I definitely did not say that on my
1: blog, <laughs> and I don't think I would.
0: They are endlessly compared, um, Madrid and Barcelona, right? Um, But they're almost incomparable in many ways because they are very different cities in many respects. A lot of people, like their
1: whole argument comes down to how they feel about the Catalan independence thing and also how much they want to live near the beach. If you like really, really need to live near the beach, then obviously Barcelona is superior and if you're deeply offended by Catalan stuff then obviously you know Madrid is the place to be but nobody I've met has a better argument than yes but Barcelona has the beach otherwise it's really hard to compare them.
0: I've also spoken to lots of people over the years who've either lived in both places or certainly visited both places and I've heard people say, um, no, nah, well, Madrid's quite dirty and ugly, really. Barcelona's much more beautiful. And I've heard people say... <laughs> Daniel's just like, look, glancing around this beautiful square, thing, and what? Yeah. And I've heard people say, you know, Barcelona's um, just overrun with tourists, it's pretty soulless, there, there isn't the same kind of ambiente on the streets that Madrid has got. For me, and I don't know if you'll go along with this, Daniel, um, when I first moved to Madrid, I didn't kind of really fall for it in a big way i liked it but i didn't think oh my god well i wasn't completely bowled over and it kind of took me at least a year if not more to really kind of get madrid and what it's about and the way i kind of see madrid is it's not a city of really kind of awe-inspiring monuments as such but really it's more about the atmosphere on the streets. it's more about the ambiente in the various neighborhoods Um, whereas when i've been to barcelona i I don't get that so much
1: Yeah, I would agree with a lot of that However, I am from Phoenix, Arizona Which is completely different than anything we have here in Europe And so when I moved to Madrid Like a three-story building was just like a shockingly cosmopolitan thing for me And I lived in one of the worst neighborhoods here in Madrid um, I don't want to mention which one Because maybe half of your audience lives there and they'll It's be on your blog, right? Yeah, it's on my blog. If you dig through there you'll find out. But I lived in well, a couple of the worst neighborhoods in Madrid at the beginning and I was still like in love with it because I could just walk out of the house and go buy fruits and vegetables, buy groceries, I could walk out and have a coffee or a beer and I could run into people on the street in Phoenix. There's just no walking anywhere. You you know, you walk out to your car, you drive somewhere, you see traffic rather than people. There's not any sort of street life as we understand it here in Europe. So for me, Madrid was a huge step up, even without any sort of
0: you know, monumental architecture or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, that, that's an important point to make. It does depend what you're comparing it to, where you're coming from as well. In terms of someone listening to this podcast episode, and many of my listeners are planning to come and live and work here, Is there either one or other city which is easier to relocate to, that's more affordable? I'm going to chuck a lot of things in here, but uh, better work prospects, uh, one that's maybe a bit more international than the other. Um, Let's say, you know, let's take someone who's perhaps moving from the U.S. Is there one or the other that they're going to feel more comfortable in, that they're going to find more manageable, easier to settle Mm -hmm. down in? I feel like
1: Barcelona probably wins that one. Um, We're up there... Like I said, for my girlfriend's job, and one of the reasons is there's a lot of startups up there where you don't have to speak a high level of Spanish in order to um, in order to get a job. And so here in Madrid, I feel like it would be harder to find a job outside of English teaching where you just don't need to speak Spanish. Also, we were talking the other day that we managed to rent two flats there in Barcelona um, without necessarily having to speak spanish we had estate agents real estate agents whatever we want to call them Mm -hmm. who spoke english our landlord spoke english in both cases and i feel like that would be harder to do if you just came here trying to rent a place and not being able to do it in spanish here in madrid i think that would be a lot harder i would
0: agree with that actually because um Something I've always noticed in Barcelona, it, it is much easier to, to get by with English. Um, and I've noticed even, actually, in fact, you know, I was up in Barcelona two weekends ago, and, you know, my Spanish is fluent, and you can tell when I speak Spanish that I'm not Spanish. And going into a cafe or a bar and ordering something, and then being responded to in English, which I felt I was quite surprised, actually, which has never, ever happened to me here in Madrid I don't think or maybe very few times it reminded me a bit of of, I don't know if it's happened to you it happens a lot in Paris you go to Paris I try and scrape through in bad French and I just say "Look, forget you just just, just speak English please
1: yeah it does happen more in Barcelona just generally the coastal areas here in Spain I think where they're used to getting a lot more tourism people are more used to speaking you know customer service people are more used to speaking English every day and they don't have a problem responding in English if they see that like, my Spanish is also certified C2 level, but people see me, they know I'm not Spanish immediately, and yeah. and a lot of times they just respond in English.
0: Yeah. You said uh, startup uh, culture in Barcelona. I mean, it's quite well known in Europe, actually, that Barcelona has become one of the kind of European tech startup hubs. I think Madrid is slowly catching up, but is it fair to say that Madrid is still quite a traditional, you know, the center of government and banking and older business and that if you are interested in you know uh, startup culture that kind of thing that barcelona is possibly a better option i think that's probably true i'm not really in that world
1: but from what i've seen barcelona is more international in terms of the kinds of people that are there and yeah the startup thing seems to be a the startup culture seems to be a big part of the economy up there. There's the whole Poblenó neighborhood uh-huh. and things like that where there's a lot of that stuff going on. And yeah, here maybe in Madrid it's more of your traditional traditional government and banking, like you said. But you should probably consult an economist about that.
0: <laughs> I've got a bit of a tricky question for you now. Um, how can I phrase it? I mean, I was going to come out in, straight and just say who are more friendly, the Madrileños or the Barceloneses? in your opinion uh, or, or extending that question a little bit without wanting to offend anyone is there a difference in the personality of people are people are, are, you know coming from north of spain next to france compared to central spain i mean you know people do say that uh, you know if you go down south people are super loud and open and friendly in andalusia maybe people in madrid are a bit more serious because it's a capital city um, is there have you noticed any difference since you've been spending more time in barcelona <laughs>
1: Not much. I've found friendly people in both places, and generally they're friendly, they see you a few times. If uh, you're just walking into their life for the first time, maybe not. In other regions of Spain, like in Galicia and places like that, I've noticed a higher general level of friendliness than than either Madrid or Barcelona. Andalusia, like you said, there's a pretty high general level of friendliness. Here, yeah, I wouldn't say I've noticed a huge difference in, in people's personalities. Language.
0: Have you noticed any need to, to use or need to learn any, kind of any Catalan for, for living in Barcelona? I kind of hear mixed stories, really. I think it depends on your setup and what you're actually planning to go and do in, in Barcelona, or indeed, Catalonia. Um, I guess deepest, darkest Catalonian villages, you probably will need Catalan, but Barcelona, as you said, is a very cosmopolitan international city, perhaps not so much.
1: I don't think you really need to know Catalan to make it work in Barcelona. The only thing that I deal with Catalan with is, like, a lot of public notices are written in Catalan. So they'll stick a, a sign on the door to my building saying something. And I have to figure it out in Catalan when, like, I think probably three-quarters of the people in my building don't speak Catalan. But other than that, like, I don't think it's a big issue. However, the caveat would be that people see me and they immediately assume they have to speak English with me and if it's easier for them to do Spanish they're probably happy to just do Spanish and they're not going to be offended that I don't speak Catalan. If somebody you know, if a real Madrileño goes and speaks to them in Spanish like maybe they'll have a different reaction but like I've got my big red beard and all of that and (laughs) literally nobody sees me and thinks like this guy is Spanish.
0: So if a madrileño was in Barcelona speaking Castellano or Spanish, a Catalan, as, a, as maybe as a kind of point of pride, might, might speak Catalan to them, perhaps? They might get a different reaction, yeah. And in Girona,
1: in Girona there was a lot more Catalan. We couldn't get like a menu in Spanish in any restaurant in Girona, for example. They had English and they had Catalan, but no Spanish, Castellano. And then um, I'm sure in a lot of other smaller cities or towns out there, it would also be a different situation
0: Yeah, I think so I think uh, the, the further north I, mean, I think Girona um, is quite well known for being a sort of predominantly Catalan-speaking city compared to Barcelona And Getting out into the villages and smaller towns inland, I guess, yeah uh, Catalan is widely spoken it's, it's, I, I asked a question because a good friend of mine moved to Barcelona about four years ago and uh, He was adamant he didn't need to learn any Catalan, and uh, his girlfriend's Catalan, Catalana. And I suppose, you know, that's a different story, really, that she's quite integrated into a a Catalan family, so they all speak Catalan. He said things like her grandparents don't really know Spanish very well. She comes from a very small village in the sticks. Um, But also kind of when they meet up with groups of friends who are all Catalan, they start off speaking in uh, Spanish. And then they gradually revert to Catalan and he has to kind of politely remind them every five minutes. Sorry, can we change back to uh, Castellano, please?
1: Yeah, I can imagine that happening. And, of course, if you um, have a significant other who speaks the language, then that's a bigger motivation to learn it. But, yeah, that's not my case so far. And um, so far I'm able to understand a lot of spoken Catalan, but I really don't hear a lot of people speaking Catalan in my day to day I hear it at the market when I go to the municipal market I hear it when I go to the gym but other than that it's not a big part of my life
0: so going back to this question of cosmopolitanism (laughs) would you say Barcelona is more cosmopolitan than Madrid I think what people mean by cosmopolitan is that it's
1: got a mix of a lot of different cultures and um, a lot of different ways of life is that what people mean
0: I just hear it bandied around a lot. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, wow, Barcelona is much more cosmopolitan than Madrid, and Madrid is kind of still seen a little bit as, even though it's the capital, as a bit of a kind of backwater that's very homogenous and, you know, very, very Spanish. Okay, cosmopolitan as... Uh,
1: <laughs> used as the opposite of provincial. Yeah, I've had people tell me Madrid is very provincial, but they're coming from New York or San Francisco or something like that. I have no way of knowing... I was coming from San Francisco, I'd probably have a different feeling. There's a lot of great restaurants from a lot of places here in Madrid, also in Barcelona. I would say that as far as stuff that I hear about on the internet and expect will arrive in Madrid 10 years later, yeah, it usually arrives in Madrid 10 years later. In Barcelona, it's already there. Like There's quite a bit of you know, places where you can go to have acai bowls and all of this nonsense that yeah. the hipsters are into these days. You know,
0: poke and um, <laughs> yeah. acai bowls. So the hipsters arrived in Barcelona first, although I definitely, uh, they've definitely infiltrated Madrid at now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> There's all this stuff like cold-pressed juice or something, as yes. if you were going to have any other kind of juice. <laughs> like, you can... I walk around in Barcelona and see that kind of stuff. And, you know, restaurants where where they seem to be the menu seems to be designed by an Instagram enthusiast who just wants it to look nice on people's Instagrams rather than actually being edible. That stuff is more prevalent in Barcelona. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably more cosmopolitan in ways that that I'm not really into. So I do like the thing in Madrid where you can go to some old school bar and have, you know, the Uh, you know shrimp heads covering the floor and all of that because people just you know napkins and shrimp heads on the floor and just old waiters screaming to the
0: back. You don't seem to see that as much in Barcelona those kind of old uh, no frills bars.
1: There are quite a few of them but a lot of them have been bought up by immigrants from other places and so it's you know not exactly the the
0: type of thing we have in Madrid. Let's just have a quick look at food. Have you noticed the big gastronomic differences between Barcelona and Madrid? And would you have any kind of preference over the kind of traditional Catalan food and the traditional Madrileño food that you can find?
1: When I think of traditional Madrid food, I think of like callos, which is kind of a tripe stew. I think of the fried squid and cocido madrileño, which is like a, a chickpea stew. And these are all things which I like, but I can't say that they're amazing. They're just nice um, once in a while. Whereas the things that are more typical up in Barcelona might be a little bit better, you know, objectively, if you can say objectively about food. Um, They've got the Bomba Catalana up there, which is sort of a, a croquette made from potato and ground beef. They've got Esquechada is one that I really like. They call it Catalan ceviche. It's uh, usually cod, I believe, with some vegetables, and it's not um, not cooked. It's it's cured cod or oh, salt hello. cod, I believe, and they make yeah, it's like a ceviche type thing, which was really
0: nice. I'm a big fan of their, um, I think they're called cannellons, so a bit like uh, pasta filled with, uh, with meat. Look a bit like, uh, well, like a bit like cannelloni, I guess.
1: <laughs> I assume it would be pretty similar.
0: I haven't had that up there, but yeah. Yeah, that's they've, pretty
1: good. They've definitely got some good food up there. Of course, they've got good food down here, but I guess maybe it's not the traditional Madrid stuff. You might go out and you can get the, the stuff from other regions of Spain, which might be a little bit more exciting.
0: Would you say that Barcelona is noticeably more touristy than Madrid? Or do you think Madrid is changing? Is Madrid becoming more touristy? Every time I go to Barcelona, I always seem to think that oh, it seems to be more and more and more and more tourism. You read a lot in the press here in Spain about it, and in international press as well, about, um, I don't know, Barcelona becoming a kind of victim of itself, you know, the way that Venice has gone and rent prices going up. Airbnbs exploded. There's been a lot in the news about that, about neighborhoods, uh, neighbours complaining about this kind of thing. Walk down Las Ramblas and you barely hear any, spoken, any Spanish or Catalan spoken. Whereas, I don't know, Madrid, I think that's definitely changing, but it's not as extreme, I would say, in my opinion. Barcelona
1: definitely has, like, five or six areas which are just super touristy. Like, um, you know, I live close to the beach, So, of course, there's lots of tourism right there in my neighborhood, Barceloneta. And then if you go to Paseja de Gracia, like you said, or if you go to any of the Gaudí monuments, yeah, it's really touristy. So, I don't know the numbers, but it's at least possible that Barcelona has, you know, the same number of tourists as Madrid, but they're all just concentrated in five different small areas Whereas in Madrid, they might be more spread out. Um, but yeah, I, it's also possible that it's just more more tourist-focused. Here, like, I live close to Plaza Castilla in the north, and um, that's not touristy at all. No. There's a couple of restaurants near my house, which I guess are in the guidebooks, and they get tour buses from time to time. But, but for the most part, my neighborhood is real quiet compared to, you know... Puerto del Sol and Puerto del Sol has been, you know, if you go at Christmas it's nuts
0: (laughs) Yeah, depends what you're into but I try and avoid Sol as much as possible most of the year round but at Christmas it's crazy busy, right? Yeah and it's been crazy busy for the last 15
1: years you know, before Madrid was highly touristic before Ryanair made travel even cheaper you know, it's just been nuts because people go to
0: Puerto del Sol Talking physically about the cities, I I always find, and you know, I'm a Madrid person. I, I would vote for Madrid every time personally, but we'll come on to that uh, at the end of the podcast. I always find though that uh, when I go to Barcelona, it seems a lot more, I know more cared for in a way. I don't know whether the the ayuntamiento, ayuntamiento there, spend more money on doing up the city, keeping it cleaner, making sure their public squares are you know really well maintained. Whereas when I walk around Madrid, I mean, at the moment, as you've probably noticed, all over the city they're doing a lot of renovations, widening wi- widening pavements, tidying the place up a bit. But sometimes I do walk around parts of Madrid and think, wow, you know, this is the capital of Spain and this is a prominent square or a very prominent street. And it all just looks a little bit gritty and unkempt in some places. Whereas I think Barcelona, when I walk around the centre of Barcelona, I don't know, it seems like it's a bit more manicured and they look after it more. I don't know. Is that, your <laughs> is that your observation as well? I guess I could agree with that, but it also
1: kind of depends on the neighborhood. Like in Barcelona, they've got the whole Raval area, which is maybe a bit less uh, well-maintained than others. And here we've got sort of like Lavapiés, which is, is a bit similar. Yeah, about the cleanliness of the streets...
0: It also really depends on probably the neighbourhood. If, uh, if you could take one place from Madrid, Daniel, and plonk it in Barcelona, or vice versa, you know, to try and make the ultimate perfect <laughs> city for you uh, without travelling between the two, or it doesn't have to be a, a place, it could be an element of the city or the city's life that you could transplant from Madrid into Barcelona and Barcelona into Madrid, um, what would it be?
1: I wouldn't mind putting Retiro Park in Barcelona, for example, because, and we could put the beach in Madrid, I don't know. But in in Barcelona, like, a lot of the parks just don't have grass for some reason. They're dirt and pine trees, and I have no idea why. I suspect they just don't have enough water to water a lot of grass constantly. But here we've got more green space, and yeah, there they've got the beach, of course. It would be nice to have you know, more water, open water here in Madrid and more green space in Barcelona. So, yeah, Retiro Park to Barcelona and, and the beach to Madrid.
0: The beach to Madrid, maybe put the beach, I would uh, imagine uh, um, sort of near Lavapierce, imagine looking down those steep hills in Pierce and seeing the, the horizon, the sea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, if we could take Arganzuela and just put the beach right there. I can imagine that that would be pretty cool. Do you have a particular uh, a favorite spot in Madrid and a favorite spot in Barcelona? So for example, you've come you're we're in Madrid? You've come up to Madrid this week. Is there a kind of go-to place that you need to get your fix of in Madrid? And and vice versa when you go back to Barcelona, there's someone somewhere that you particularly like to spend time. I've got about 10
1: restaurants here in Madrid that I try to go to every time I'm here. A lot of them are just up in my neighborhood though, up near Tetuan Plaza Castilla, and they're just places I like. Give it, do you want to give it a shout-out to a couple of them? Casa del Ceviche, for example. I haven't found a lot of great ceviche in in Barcelona, but I've got one right down the street from my house in Madrid. I believe it's Calle del Limonero is where it is. La Casa del Ceviche. Here in the center, on Calle Cruz, there's a place called Casa Tony I like a lot. They've got pork ear, which I really appreciate. If you want to try the, the cayos. You can try the cayos there also. And the squid, the boquerones fritos. I like everything there. And, yeah, I mean, just... Uh, there's a few places that are just, like, cheap and delicious that I like here in Madrid. In Barcelona, usually I just, you know, as soon as I get back, I usually go down to the beach and, and walk around a little bit on the beach. I don't know, there are... I like El Bar del Vasco. For example, Uh or Taberna Iberia in Barceloneta are two places that I really like. But you know, they're bars that I just go and have beer on the terraza, and it's a nice thing to do when I
0: when I get back there. Uh Well, just before we go, I'm going to have to ask you this. I'm going to have to make you choose between one or the other. If you were if you were banished to one city or the other for the rest of your life, and you had to choose which one to stay in, obviously with uh, your girlfriend. I'm not. i not going to be that cruel and separate you. Which city are you going to go for, uh, Madrid or or Barcelona?
1: Madrid, but maybe it's just because I spent most of my adult life here. I'm definitely prejudiced on this question, and um, yeah, especially if my my terms of my banishment are that I get to still travel around the community of Madrid on cercanías and buses, and I can go to different places in the mountains out of town and all of that. Then, yeah, it's just I know Madrid so well and I'd be happy to spend the rest of my life here. My girlfriend might disagree, but, um, you know, if I'm (laughs) the one being banished,
0: my banishment, my rules. Okay, fair enough. Oh, that's interesting. So your girlfriend, is she she, uh, more of a fan of Barcelona? I think she is at this point,
1: but she also didn't live in Madrid for very long. So she's got a different perspective than I do.
0: I guess uh, that makes sense, I think for me as well it's sort of you you develop that affection for a place it's like where you grow up, it sort of always has a place in your heart, it's like, you know for me, Madrid is my Spanish hometown really
1: Absolutely, I wouldn't have stayed here for
0: 14 years if I
1: didn't love it, so I love it and I stayed and um, hopefully I'll be able to keep up the living in two places thing for, you know, the foreseeable future or else you know Move back here.
0: Who knows? I'm pretty envious because you get to, you get to enjoy the fantastic high speed AVE train directly between Barcelona and Madrid. It's like one of my favourite ways to travel. I think anywhere in the world, actually, it's so civilised, and uh, you get to just watch the landscape roll by. Three hours between Barcelona and Madrid. Uh, two and a half sometimes, actually. Mm. If you've got the
1: one with no stops or with like one stop in in Zaragoza or wherever, mm. then yeah. It's about two and a half. Otherwise, it's three hours and ten minutes, I believe. And yeah, it's beautiful. If you're able to, uh, if you're able to afford it, definitely take the ABE. The thing a lot of people don't know about Spain is we have one of the world's best high-speed rail networks, and it was just one of these things that was uh, funded by the European Union before the big economic crisis in 2008. And I don't know how long they're going to continue to be able to afford having this awesome high-speed rail network, but it's just fantastic if you're traveling around Spain. I definitely recommend it.
0: Yeah, me too. And I read recently that they're going to introduce a low-cost version of the AVE as well. Um, I think it's a French French company. I think it's uh, uh, a subsidiary of TGV, the high-speed French service, who are going to start putting their trains on the same services around spain well maybe not on all of them but the main routes uh a lower a lower at a lower price i guess it's you know it's a bit like a low-cost airline kind of business model so that would be i think it's maybe 2020 or 2021 that's coming in
1: that would be uh, beautiful if they could do that because yeah that's the main thing that keeps people from from using it, is it's just more expensive than driving or or taking a plane even sometimes so yeah if they could find a way to reduce the prices it'll be awesome
0: yeah okay daniel thanks so much for joining when in spain um just before you go where can people find uh your blog the chorizo chronicles and also if anyone out there is uh interested in learning english if you're listening to this podcast your resources for english learning that you do
1: yeah if you want to go to expatmadrid.com You can find the Chorizo Chronicles there. I think also if you go to chorizochronicles.com. I've got a a redirect set up. But yeah. um, Also, madridingles.net. madridingles.net. I should should say it without the silly accent. Um, (laughs) That's where I do a lot of my English stuff. Or aprendemasingles.com if you're into that. I also have a podcast. It's called Aprende Mas Inglés. And generally, you can just Google my name, Daniel Welsh, and you'll find a lot of stuff. Yeah, you're pretty well
0: known, pretty easy to find on the internet. Okay, Daniel, cheers. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Paul. So that was Daniel Welsh. Just a reminder of the websites that he mentioned. Uh, If you'd like to find his Chorizo Chronicles... Uh, You can find that via the website expatmadrid.com, and I'll put links to these in the show notes of this episode as well. And if you're a non-native English speaker listening to this podcast um, and you'd like to check out uh, Daniel's uh, learning materials and resources for learning and practising English, head across to his website aprendemasingles.com. He also has a a podcast, as he mentioned, and he has uh, videos on YouTube as well. So, big thanks to Daniel for taking part uh, in this episode. That will just about do it for this week. Um, Just before I go, just to mention, as always, don't forget uh, when Spain has got an active. Uh, group on Facebook the when in Spain Facebook group completely free to join and sign up to it's a good place to socialize with other when in Spain fans ask questions post any interesting articles or photos or anything like that that relates to Spain when in Spain also has a presence on Instagram so if you're into photography I try to post uh, nice pretty photos of Spain uh, as often as I can and uh, we're also on Twitter and if you'd like to get in touch with me directly for any reason, um, you can do so by emailing me at wheninspain1, that's wheninspain1 at outlook.com. So if you have any feedback about the podcast, if you have any episode ideas or anything like that, please feel free to get in touch with me via email big thank you to all listeners who have already emailed me with program ideas and suggestions for future episodes I have taken them all on board I've got them all written down I've probably got enough episode ideas to last me for another year at least Um, but do bear with me Uh, I am in the process of you know putting uh, of planning them of researching them and uh, putting them together Um, so thank you please Please do keep sending your ideas through. Just after you finish listening to this podcast, if you do anything, please do one of these three things or all three, if you like. That is to hit the subscribe button wherever you listen. That is to have a think about becoming a When in Spain patron. Just a dollar down a month. What's that? Twelve dollars a year to uh, help support this podcast and head across to the When in Spain Facebook group and uh, sign up there become a member of the When in Spain Facebook group uh, if you haven't already done that Uh, I'm going to get going I've got a wedding to go to tomorrow in Malaga me and Karina are heading down to a wedding uh, down there tomorrow so I've got to go and iron a a shirt and uh, find a tie (laughs) So that's me done for this week. Uh, I really look forward to speaking to you again next week. And until then, have a great week wherever you're listening from. And hasta luego.